0: Visit dnvrmortgage.com to check out Chevalier Mortgage from some diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, Mike and Virginia Chevalier. They are hooking up DNVR members with all kinds of fantastic deals, so you got to check them out. Again, it's dnvrmortgage.com. They can hook you up. Uh, to enter to win a free dnvr shirt when you sign up there but most importantly you get set up with a free consultation to s- discuss all of your mortgage options so again check them out today at DNVRmortgage.com. and go. go in the air deep go. right center go. field two run home run trevor story Way back, Byron, so logical, Chuck Nasty. 2-1 run home run, David Dahl. And yeah, Nolan drives his high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love
1: tonight.
0: Oh. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you will save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Kreisman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies with me as always. Over there is our beat writer, Patrick Lyons, and on this episode, we get to discuss the one thing that everybody always wants to discuss, and more diving headlong into this conversation. Patrick, we're talking about GMs. Of course, we got to talk a little bit about the Rockies GM, where he's at, but we're, we're looking all around baseball. Who's done a good job? Who's done a bad job? And who's maybe out there looking for a job?
1: I'm, I'm not looking for a job, but I need to dress the part. I don't think I'm going to be in consideration for any general manager's positions, but the one common through line between all of the candidates and all of the guys who have job security is they've got an Ivy League background. These are some of the smartest baseball minds that we have collected here in the, the United States, North America, in MLB. And it's a really exciting topic to kind of dive in and, and really take a look you know who's been successful at pushing the right buttons, who hasn't been. And you know what? If you're not happy with the current general manager right now for your team, we're going to let you know are a couple candidates that maybe you could be excited about. And if, uh, if you do hear that they were hired by your favorite club, then, man, you're going to be really, really excited.
0: Yeah, uh, there might be some people out there who are in that camp. I don't know. I ha- I certainly hadn't heard anything about Rockies fans being upset with the GM, but we'll go over it anyway, just in case. We should give to that effect a, a brief caveat here at the beginning. First of all, just for the record, we have absolutely no information that the Rockies are considering moving on from Jeff brightish That that just needs to be like, because sometimes we-, we do have information and, you know, so-, so that's not what's going on here. This is speculation and analysis based on things that could happen. Uh, And and that's entirely the conversation we're having today, but we don't want to give anyone the the very strong impression of like, yeah, they're definitely going to go this way or or they're moving on from Jeff Breitich. And that's why we talked about it for an hour. Like, no, but we're going to get into it so that if they do, like Patrick said, you'll, you'll be prepared for that moment and and you'll have uh, maybe some favorite candidates by then.
1: And we'll hold our thoughts on that too, because I think both Drew and I might be on the same page as far as what we think Dick Monfort will do as far as his GM
0: later on in this episode. Another thing that's structurally interesting before we get into the actual names here is I've been going through this and looking at guys and remembering not every baseball front office is structured the same. As you all know, we've talked a lot about the fact that the Rockies no longer have a team president of baseball operations. So another thing to keep in mind as we go through here is would any of these people make interesting candidates in that role? Uh, and that, uh, that I think, you know, or uh, and sometimes other people have had that role before. And that can be uh, pretty interesting. Patrick, I think this is a great question here from Henry, actually, to start it off too, what kind of skills are the Rockies? Should the Rockies or could the Rockies be looking for in a new GM if they were to move in a different direction?
1: Well, I think experience is going to be a big factor. And that experience doesn't even necessarily have to be as a general manager, because one thing that you will uncover as you research general managers, if, if you are so inclined, is that you really only get one bite at the apple. There's a lot of GMs, they have an opportunity to kind of be that head honcho and whether they've had a you know decent amount of success or little to none at all, that's usually their only shot that they get. Now they'll still be around in baseball. They still can have an assistant GM role as a scouting role uh, as a personal advisor, but you almost only get one crack at it. And there's only very few guys who get brought on um, to oversee, you know, different types of rebuilds and different teams you know pat gillick is one of the more recent guys inducted into the hall of fame uh, as he had success in both toronto as well as philadelphia and you know we see and we know dave dombrowski is out there as a popular name you know uh won a world series with the marlins didn't do it with detroit but to, did take them to the series yeah. uh and was able to be successful in boston so he's one of those free agent guys so you just you just need to have enough of experience Ah, uh, wide ranging experience is another piece, too, because there's so much that goes into these moves. Even when Drew and I, you know we're talking about you know trades and stuff. There's a lot more that goes into it. When the Rockies acquired Michael Gibbons, they weren't just getting Michael Gibbons for a month. He was a guy that was under club control for another year. So now you need to contextualize that and say, well, wait a minute, we're not just getting a guy right now. We're getting a guy for the next year plus. And so which of our prospects should we part? With that, and which prospect can we afford to part with because we have a lot of depth in it? So, you just need a lot of wide ranging abilities uh, in a front office somewhere. Yeah.
0: I think one of the things that will help us further and deeper understand what makes a good GM, what kind of skills the Rockies should be looking for, is to get right into our first major part of the conversation today, which are the five GMs in baseball who are doing it right, who've been doing the job well and getting the results over these last several years. And you see here our top five. At number five, through my teeth, I must admit it, it is true, and I cannot deny it any longer. A.J. Preller of the San Diego Padres has really made some great moves lately, and you can see the results of them out there. Um, We'll go through them real quick, and then we'll talk about each guy. I'll just read off the list really quick. At number four, David Stearns in Milwaukee has done a really good job out there. Number three, Mike Chernoff in Cleveland, uh, done a, uh, an excellent job there this last year. A uh, few more question marks maybe, but still a really fantastic job building that team to begin with. Brian Cashman for the Yankees at number two. And again, reluctantly, but objectively at number one, Andrew Friedman of the Los Angeles Dodgers.
1: Yeah and, and these guys all have job security. They they you know might not be the best and if the you know if the Rockies for one were to say look we're just going to throw a, a, a bucket of money at the best GMs around. There's going to be a few that aren't necessarily on this list, but these are guys that have that job security. Particularly AJ Preller where you know going into this season this was a make or break year yeah. for him. If we had done this episode this time last year, you might have even said, you know what, he could be almost on the hot seat almost in that range where he's one of the bottom 10 GMs, but everything that he's been able to do and build in San Diego was a part of this plan that maybe took an extra year longer than they would have liked. Um, but you say right now with everything that he's been able to do and build all those trades, he was able to make uh, uh, moving around like 25 different guys. You got to say, look, this has his name written all over it. And if anyone is going to, you know, have job security, AJ Preller is going to be around next year. He's going to have even a couple more years, especially if this thing continues to go the way it's been for the Padres.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, with the the youth of the team and and the length of the deals and the general security, the the team control, uh, you know, he'd have to he'd he'd really have to mess it up at this point to lose his job anytime in the next half decade. He'd really have to make some boneheaded decisions. And while I do think that. He's gotten a pass for some of the decisions he made a half decade ago. I think people kind of in hindsight forgotten that the Will Myers deal was not a good deal for the Padres and that the Eric Hosmer contract is quite frankly, one of the worst in baseball, at least in terms of dollar amount per war or value or however you want to measure value. It's not a good contract. Um, But you also then have to turn around and give credit where it's due and um How much credit does he get for finding Fernando Tatis Jr? Not more than zero. (laughs) And, and, you know, and so there you go. And and that's, and there have been other things. And I've, you know, the Manny Machado contract, we'll see at the end of it. Um, But it's hard to argue that he's not a, a star caliber player when the team he's on is good. And so right now, there are very few negative marks that you can put against Preller. Try as I might.
1: Yeah, been precisely right. It's it's this combination where you know you're not going to win every trade. You're not going to you know be right on every single deal. So while the Hosmer contract, you're right, might look you know like an albatross in a lot of ways. You go, yeah, but look at all these things he's done right. So no GM has been perfect. Um, and a lot of what being a successful GM is surrounding yourself with successful people and and people that you trust. And you're right. Did, had A.J. Preller ever laid eyes on Fernando Tatis Jr. before he included him in that James Shields deal? Maybe not, but he had people that he trusted with boots on the ground that said, if we can get this guy, all right, hey, if you're telling me that, I trust you, I can go ahead and make that deal. And that's yep. super important. David Stearns, uh, number four on our list from Milwaukee. You know, uh, I, I came up with a little metric about playoff appearances. And, yeah, the Brewers made the playoffs this year, but I was an eight seed, so that's kind of somewhat questionable. But still, two playoff appearances for Milwaukee going into this season in five years. David Cern is one of the youngest GMs. And, you know, he's, he's done a fantastic job there, especially everything considering the Christian Yelich deal and the extension. Like, he just hasn't – there hasn't been those missteps for him. Same thing with Mike Chernoff in Cleveland where, you know, Cleveland had uh, had to reduce payroll this last year, and they were still able to go out and right. um, you know be the be the first wild card, be the fourth uh, highest ranked team, you know, in this playoff. And they go and they're able to say, "All right, Mike Clevenger, Zach, please, two of our our best guys in our rotation. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna take a stance and say, you guys broke safety protocol uh, during this pandemic, and you know what?" you're, we're optioning you to the minors and one of them, Clevenger, we're just going to trade you to another team. Like that takes some guts and, you know, to be able to do that and still get back, you know, a really good collection of players. Like, you know, we saw what Josh Naylor did Austin hedges is a fantastic defensive backstop along with a couple of prospects, you know, those two guys out there in the Midwest, they, they've got a lot of job security right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think for, for whatever reason, well, I guess cause playoffs happened um, I've, said a number of times in the last week how much i really do like that cleveland team i just like yeah. the players on the team uh, i like the way they're constructed uh so yeah it is frustrating when you get orders from on high to get rid of some of your best players because they're costing too much and not because you know they're costing too much and they're not producing not you know it's not like an ian desmond or daniel murphy situation or, or you know it's it's like they're still great ball players and you just have to get rid of them. And so, yeah, um, he's done the best job. uh, I think you could do given those uh, constraints for
1: sure. And then our top two guys, again, Brian Cashman and Andrew Friedman, they're kind of one, a one B I kind of gave Friedman a little more job security there uh, particularly because, you know, I don't know how much longer Cashman's going to go. He, he's got the job as long as he wants. Dude was the GM back when George Steinbrenner was still alive. All right, twenty three years, twenty three years, nineteen playoff appearances. It's uh, it's amazing what he's been able to do, especially taking some you know small market tips with with analytics and being creative with roster construction. So he's not above just you know, uh, going out and, and getting creative with the roster. Same thing with Andrew Friedman, Max Muncie, Chris Taylor, you know, just a handful of guys that they've been able to pick up off the scrap heap. And, and Friedman, I, 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 don't even think his job title is actually GM. He's, I think he he might, he's team president, but he also serves as the GM. That's the Great. other interesting thing is that some guys kind of have, you know, uh, amorphous, you know, job titles where they're, they're doing a bunch of different roles like, you know, Dick Williams of, of the Reds actually, uh, he just stepped aside uh, today um, and kind of is the guy pulling all the strings as the GM, even though Nick Kral is uh, the figurehead or, or rather has that job as a title. But Andrew Friedman, I mean, yeah, he's only been on the job for, you know, six years, but six consecutive NOS playoff appearances, everything that they've been able to do with uh, uh, renovating Chavez Ravine, that got a big facelift. Uh, this past year, we haven't really been able to chance, get a, gotten a chance to see that because of the pandemic, but he's really shaped that organization up in so many different ways across the board. And uh, those two guys are, are definitely, definitely safe in, in those positions. They've, they've done a fantastic job. They're, they're the top of their, the class really.
0: Yeah. And and I do make a, a big deal oftentimes and, and it should be noted, you know, that they do have more resources to work with uh, than a lot of other GMs, but as we have seen throughout history, you and I, Patrick, are old enough to know that uh, there, there have been times where the Yankees have been absolutely terrible because of poor management, despite their resources. And we know that there are other teams in baseball right now that spend a whole lot of money and, Boston. Yeah, and, and, and don't have money. <laughs> the Boston Red Sox or whatever. Uh, yeah. So, all right. That means now I don't have my, my, I just occurred to me that I'm I'm missing my Breck brew and it's a terrible time to not have my Breck brew. I need my Breck brew for a situation like this. I may have to see if at some point during the next part of this conversation, I can slip downstairs and grab a Breck brew because we're going to start talking about the DMS on the hot seat. But if you got to grab a Breck brew in preparation for this, You might run over to King Supers. You might run down to the DNVR bar, though that could take a little bit of time. If you're in the neighborhood, you swing by the farmhouse. That's the best way to do it because they are beautifully set up for outside dining or to just get that quick pickup curbside. They'll have it ready for you there from noon to 8 p.m. You call 303-803-1380. Use that promo code DNVR. You'll save five bucks off the food and the beer. I highly recommend you check out the Palisade peach wheat. It is absolutely delicious. And it uh, contains some of the best fruit in the world from my hometown, even more literally. Usually when I tell people, you know, they ask, you know, where are you from with your hometown? It's at Grand Junction, Colorado. So people have heard of that. And it's, it's sort of the bigger area there. But I am more accurately and technically from Palisade, Colorado. And those peaches are exquisite.
1: In another dimension, you would have your own company called Drew's Brews, and you would have your own Palisade Peach IPA. But as it were, we live in this reality, and Breck did it first, they and they did an it. amazing job. They yeah. did, They beat you to it.
0: They, they Basically, you've got to tip your cap when someone has the great idea and does the thing, and you're like, well, now I don't have to invent this because you have, and now I just get to drink it. Um, it's It's really fantastic. It's almost too good. I had uh, I, I was down at the DNVR bar for uh, the NHL draft last night, and I get this text at nine thirty or ten, and it's, it's you know it's the missus, it's the boss saying, you "Got any of those Palisade peaches down there in the old uh, fridge? There, you want you bring me home a Palisade peach? Maybe it's just they're so good. So check them out and have one to comfort you as we get into now the five GMs." on the hot seat in Major League Baseball. Again, going to run through the list. At number five, Al Avila out there in Detroit. Uh, number four, Michael Hill, Miami. At number three, Jeff Breidich. You may have heard of that one in Colorado. We'll get into it. We'll obviously get into it. Number two, Brody Von Wagen, <laughs> <Van> Wagen <laughs> uh, of the Mets. And number two, John Daniels out there in Texas that that almost looks like the writing on the wall uh, is in place in Texas there for Mr. Daniels not happy on the returns. They were very aggressive in this last offseason. They expected to compete. Uh, they they made some big moves. they they spent some money and just
1: yeah and and it's what's interesting is that Daniels is actually the second longest tenured. GM uh Brian Cashman as we mentioned 23 years he's been he's been the guy for 15 years and does have five playoff appearances to show for it but a lot of it was at the beginning of this decade with you like know ago, Josh Hamilton know. they're going to consecutive World Series Ron Washington is their manager yeah that that seems like a long time ago and um that that justifies him kind of being on the hot seat like you said they went and they spent a lot of money in free agency and you know, they did get a brand-new stadium, and, and so I think a lot of it has to do with that. And I think it's just time for uh, for the Rangers to kind of move on and, and restructure things just a little bit. So he's a guy that I I, I just think is, uh, his, his time is done. Next on that list was uh, Brody Van and you know, uh, and that that's an, that's an easy one. Or uh, you could say that we cheated a little bit because, you know, Steve Cohen, who um, – is uh, essentially the new owner of the New York Mets has said that, you know, he wants Sandy Alderson to kind of take over and, and run yeah. some things and, and, and BVW uh, as he's known as he's uh, he's had some issues um, particularly that Robinson Cano deal where they gave up a, a, a guy who's going to be an absolute stud and Jared Kalenich. Um Edwin Diaz has been awful in New York. Yeah. And you might even remember earlier from this season, right before uh, a brief little press conference I think it might have been like August 27th I want to say where the uh the Mets were uh, were walking off the field they might have been playing the Marlins and they were going to have like this moment of of silence or or whatever it was maybe eight minutes and, and 28 seconds of of silence before the game and they were going to walk off the field whatever it was and the cameras were on and Old Brody was like, "Man, that's what that's what Manfred doesn't get. Man, he just doesn't understand something." And he just was going on, and it turns out that you know Manfred had had nothing to do with uh, what was going on behind the scenes. So he kind of put his foot in his mouth in a real yeah. big way. And I and I just think, you know, that he wasn't ever he was never a good fit to begin with because the dude was an agent. And I, and it's not that I don't think agents couldn't be successful as a GM, but man, it's just it's. Uh, Again, there's there's a lot to manage as a general manager, uh, from everything for analytics to scouting to player development, and you know just managing players uh, as their agent is uh, it, it is not enough. And you know the, and the first two guys we had on our list, Michael Hill, again, hey, playoff appearance with the Marlins. Um, he's again kind of a figurehead. He's been on the job for a long time, thirteen years. Yeah. Um, for a while, you know, he Dan Jennings was the GM. You might remember this, Drew. Uh, He was the GM. And then I think for like the final month or so of the season, he said, I'm going to be the manager. I'm going to manage the team. And was actually the on-field manager for a while. That didn't last. He was done after that season. That was kind of an embarrassment. So uh, Michael Hill's been kind of back and forth in that role. So he's done a nice job. But I think we we could be getting to a point where Jeter's going to want his own guy in. Um, and I think the Illich family in Detroit may want a new guy. And Alaville, the oldest GM in all of baseball, done a really nice job in getting Detroit's farm system back in gear. They've got a lot of really good players. They're a team to keep an eye out for. I think 2022 will be their year to really start to make waves. Uh, but I think it's, it's time for them to, to possibly move on, get somebody uh, a little bit younger, a little more aggressive, a little more in touch with, with what's going on today in the world of baseball.
0: And that's it, right? There was nobody else on the. There was that was like, four. How many were on our
1: <laughs> top five list again?
0: How many are? Oh, right, sitting there, right in the middle, Jeff Brightage. Now, it, you know, it was interesting uh, earlier, Patrick. You were talking about uh, Milwaukee and saying, you know, they made the postseason two of the last five years, and say the exact same thing, of course, as we know about the Colorado Rockies, but. The other thing that you said right after that was you talked about specific moves in milwaukee the big moves that are the job of the general manager you know i i called into question how much aj preller you know gets credit for fernando tastis jr you could say the same about you know young guys who have come up and performed for the rockies during the 17 and 18 run when they were good now In a unique way, Jeff Breidich does get some credit for the development of Kyle Freeland and John Gray and Trevor Story and Nolan Arnauto and Charlie Blackman because he was literally the director of player development when all those guys were going through the minors. So he does get some credit for that. But despite those postseason years, it really is the acquisitions. It's all of the other moves. It's the things that we've been talking about, the... $106 $106 million bullpen that did not perform the Ian Desmond contract, the Daniel Murphy contract, none of these moves have panned out. And, and you can hold up on the other end, only, you know, mid season acquisitions at best, it, you know, the best argument you can make and in ter- just in terms of the acquisitions is, you know, Pat Neshek, Jonathan Lucroy, Son Juan O maybe Kevin Pilar.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of what have you done for me lately? You know, that that's a lot of it. And so, you know, AJ Preller and, and Jeff Breidich, they both uh, came into the league at the, at the same time. They both have six years um, as the GM and Breidich has two playoff appearances. Padres have one, but again, who would you rather be in 2020? right? Who's who's maybe built more or something that's been more sustainable. And when you look at that, that kind of puts it in context. And again, David Stearns uh, did his job for five years and he's got those two to three playoff appearances if you do include this year. And in fact, when you when you take a look at the the other GMs who have less than two playoff appearances, um, you know, Ross Adkins of the Blue Jays, you got to like what, you know, how he's been able to rebuild that farm system and you yeah. say, well, it's how could this guy be on the hot seat? Look at what he's built. He's gonna he's gonna have an opportunity to keep those players, yeah, right?
0: Let's at least see how that goes. You at least have to see right. how that goes.
1: Jerry DePoto, again, five years, no playoff appearances. They're starting to turn it around. That would be the one where you go, Man, he's probably number six on our list, but apparently the the owners of the the Mariners enjoy uh you know having a, a real life fantasy baseball team that they can just trade and do all that. so he's doing something right and you know what if given a little more time you know they could he could prove them right and say thank you for being patient long enough we really built ourselves you know uh, a dynasty here in seattle and really every the only other guy would be mike hazen one playoff appearance uh with the diamondbacks uh, for four years so you go okay you know Maybe, maybe he's in that same boat with Bryach as far as tenure and playoff appearances. But everybody else either has more playoff appearances uh, and less time or just a better percentage of postseason appearances. Um, the rest of the guys have all had less than, than two years. So when you kind of frame it in that context, you look and you see it go, Oh, you know what, he, he's probably, as far as, if you're saying postseason success or postseason appearances as the standard, for whether you're doing your you whether you have done your job well or not, you know Jeff Breidich is towards the back end uh, of all thirty GMs with those caveats of guys maybe only being able to do it two or three years, or they've they're in their prime. Rick Hahn was the GM of the White Sox for eight years before they finally made the playoffs this year. Right. Again, as a seventh seed, but you look at what the White Sox have done and you go, wow, that that's a guy who should be safe in his job for what he's been able to build there on the south side of Chicago. So all things being considered, Jeff Breidich uh, might be on the hot seat. But, Drew, the question is this. Does he keep his job? Do you think he will, will continue to be the GM of the Colorado Rockies for the next – before the trade deadline, let's say something like that, right. for for a little under a year at least?
0: You know that – That's interesting. If you you give it a a window of time, of course, my gut, like everybody else's gut, who's been following this team for a long time, says, yeah, he'll come back. Dick Monfort doesn't like to fire people. He doesn't like to fire GMs. He's a very loyal guy. Um, He had a golden opportunity to fire Jeff Breidich during the kerfuffle with Nolan Arenado, and uh, would have been applauded and you know, didn't do it then and stuck by him through that. And so, yeah, I think your gut tells you he'll stick with Jeff Breidich. I, there is a part of me that thinks that's not nearly the slam dunk that it used to be. And like I said, that you put the, the window of time on it. I can see scenarios unfolding where this implodes for Jeff Breidich here. Either The team gets off to another terrible start next year and, some you know some guys say hey it's him or me or whether that's nolan or somebody else if it really gets to a point like that um and, and i also have seen a very slow but still noticeable evolution of dick monfort as an owner over the years and i'm not sure that he's going to have so like it's only been four years, so to say well, he's not going to have the same long leash he had with Dan O'Dowd, who was here for like six thousand years, is is maybe not the best comparison. But I think the line is closer. I think Jeff Bridges is closer to that line of Dick Monfort's actual line where he would make that move. Um, but of course, as we've discussed, as long as Dick Monfort is involved in baseball. Decisions and operations, that's a major factor as well. So, getting rid of Jeff Breitich and not having a, a team president or not having somebody or not having Dick Monfort just become more hands off, one of those things does need to happen. Um, but, uh, and, and Adam throws another wrinkle in it there, asking, which do you think is more likely straight up replacing Jeff Bridich, or keeping Jeff Breitich as GM and hiring a team president?
1: Well, I think if you if you're hiring a team president, that's the guy that he. It's his choice. It's his choice to go ahead and and make that decision who he wants to keep around. Now, is that maybe that's Jeff Bridish would might might seem strange since we're talking about how you know he may be on the hot seat, um, but if he's made the team president, then you can go ahead and and hire somebody else. You know, he would have that right. So I don't think you can keep both those things around. We've seen that in the past where something like that's, that kind of scenario ends up going down. And the guy who was in charge as the GM now has somebody else telling him, yeah, you can't make those moves like you did in the past. So that yeah. it usually never ends up working. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think you're right, Drew. I think, you know, Breidich uh, is coming back for this next year. Um, You know, unless it really does crash and burn, he's probably safe um, for for much of of next year. And I think one of the big pieces, you know, besides the loyalty piece, we know is a factor, but even forgetting about that, even if you you forget that factor, I think one of the biggest things at play for so many teams right now across all of professional sports is the impact of this pandemic on uh, your revenue streams. And if fans aren't able to come out to the ballpark, and, you know, MLB teams make, you know, roughly about a million dollars for every home game. So, you know, if you're now, if you're now $80, $80 million in the hole, let's say, you know, because you're not able to, to have the typical fans at, at, at your ballpark and maybe the is less than that, whatever it is, you need somebody in your, your front office. You need a GM that's going to know how to balance and manage all those things. And bringing somebody, you know, fresh off the street, that can be a challenge, especially if it's someone who's never been a GM before. Right. right, So I think you almost have to say, you know what, it, it, it might, might be crazy to, to, to think this way. And I know some Rockies fans might go, wait a minute, you mean to tell me I want Jeff Breidich back as my GM? You might, because you bring in the wrong person at the wrong time. And we all know we're in the wrong time right now. It could be catastrophic for any organization, especially the Rockies. And it could be something that they don't dig out from under for a long time. It happened to the Mets. with uh, with everything that happened with Bernie Madoff, and they're still kind of feeling the effects of it now with Steve Cohen as the owner. Um, You know, he had to spend $2 billion, came out of nowhere, to help the Mets fan base feel better about their club because of poor financial decisions. And the Rockies potentially could be in the same boat if they turn the keys to the team over to someone who's not ready for it. Jeff Radich is ready. He can do this job and at least get them through this storm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, there there are questions about whether or not he's the best guy to help the Rockies win the World Series. But that's that's a really great point. It, I think sometimes people forget that it's it, like we want it to all only be about that. We want all of everything that everyone does to only ever be in service to that goal. And it's it's a nice idea that every ball player, that everything they do is about winning a World Series and none of it has to do with whether or not they're going to make a certain amount of money in the future, whether or not they're risking a certain kind of injury or, or whether or not they believe in the guys around them, but that, that stuff can come into play. We know that it can. And, and so, like you said, and I, I remember uh, getting close to now a decade ago, warning people that it absolutely can get worse and it has been worse. And, You know, you were talking earlier about I I was kind of thinking that's remarkable about how few teams um, have just been on a huge playoff drought. I was thinking, I was like, yep, yep, that Toronto team that did something. Baltimore got pretty good there for a minute. I'm going through, yep, Cincinnati had that. I'm just going through Miami now back in the thing. And a little bit of a cheapo one, but whatever. We'll we'll allow it. Um, And and Second time in two days, we get to harken back to when we were kids growing up with the game. Uh, You know, Kansas City went 15 consecutive seasons without getting into the playoffs. Baltimore went nearly 20 years without getting into the playoffs. Pittsburgh went over a decade, I think, without a winning season. Um, And, you know, that's not happening as much in baseball anymore. There's more ingenuity. There's more creativity. There's more analytics. There's more parody because of that. And that means that a team can withstand a, a, general manager like Jeff Breidich, but a general manager like what they've had in New York, you can't withstand that. It destroys your franchise. And so you may not be, you're not, you're not in love with Jeff Breidich. You're not, I know you're not. Nobody out there, even his most ardent defenders are like, aren't like, yeah, he's the best GM in baseball. Nobody believes that. And we get that. Um, but also recognizing that, yeah, you can compete with this guy around and you're not going to make decisions that absolutely tank your franchise. And that's a big deal.
1: Yeah. And it, 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 that's challenging to hear or struggling, you know, to wrap your head around that. Like again, those big market clubs, even even Boston with the way they've kind of, you know, been in the basement of the AL East time and time again. And yet, a year or two later, they end up winning the world series and the Yankees go through their things and Dodgers, they've got all this money. And yeah, sure. We'll give this money to this Cuban ball player, then trade them and still pay them $8 million every year for the next five years. They can deal with that. And it doesn't totally derail the franchise for the next five to 10 years or longer. That's not the case for the Colorado Rockies. other right. mid market and small market clubs is if you make the wrong move, it's going to really put you behind the eight ball for a very, very long
0: time, right? As bad as the Wade Davis, Ian Desmond, Daniel Murphy, Brian Shaw, Jake McGee, keep as bad as all those contracts are. You know what was worse? Mike Hampton, Denny Nagel by themselves. More years, more money, more stuck, and you couldn't get out from underneath them, and it torpedoed the franchise for eight years. These guys that torpedoed the franchise for two, now you're out from underneath them, and you can't make the same mistake again. So yeah, you, you've
1: got you got to know all the parameters. As uh, as one of our favorite uh, Twitter personalities recently pointed out, the Rockies have spent over a billion, ba 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 billion. Was that what they? Is that really right? Even saying it out loud, I'm like, no way, they spent a no, billion.
0: That's not. That no. can't be right.
1: Anyway. But they spent a lot of money on free agency and didn't get a lot back. And yet, yeah. the Rockies are not—you know—I uh, was going to say they're not the laughing stock of baseball. They're not. They've—they've they've got a lot of really great players. They've got a lot of promise. They've got a lot of questions they need—they need to solve. But Jeff Breidich has has done a, a good job to this point. Maybe not a great job. Maybe he should have done a better job. But his job is safe for right now. But we are uh, maybe a move or That's, two away from yeah, right. the end
0: of the Breidich era, though. Right. And if that arrives, I don't think you can bet on this. I don't think you can go on to draft <laughs> not DraftKings and, and bet on this. We're going to – yeah, we'll have to lean on them a little bit on that. There might be odds, man, watching the uh, the odds on uh, the NHL draft and stuff last night, and it's just Dre in our case so sitting fun. there just just eating it with every pick. That, it's not a defenseman. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing the way that uh, – putting $5 on something to happen in the NFL or the NHL draft can make pick 27 into like an event in your life. It's it's really amazing. Uh, we're having a lot of fun with it here. Obviously, as I mentioned, you got to check out the DNVR bets program, but it's only going to be useful to you if you've got the DraftKings Sportsbook app. They've got all kinds of fantastic deals, always throwing a little bit of extra cash your way to place bets on Football, baseball, hockey, basketball, a number of other things. I think at one point they were doing the Marble Olympics. You never know what you can find on there. They were doing KBO, that's for sure. Um, And one of the great things, too, is that if you use that promo code DNVR when you sign up, you can get a bonus of up to $1,000. That's right. Code DNVR gets you a sign-up bonus of up to 1,000 sackaroos. That's a big G for a limited time only. At DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older Colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match each up to $500 deposit bonus requires 25 by playthrough restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and to have a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Patrick. Now, again, if I were a betting man, which I have become very recently, um, if the Rockies did move on from Jeff Breidich, again, my gut, my instinct, my observations through history tell me that they would probably, before going outside of the organization, look inside. It's how they got Jeff Brightich. And there are a couple of interesting guys working for the Rockies right now who could make for intriguing candidates, whether you love or hate the idea of them staying within the organization. A couple of guys could be good fits for the job.
1: Yeah. The Rockets have only had three GMs in their history. The first of which Bob Gebhardt, well, they could, they didn't have anyone in house. There was, there was no house yet. Quite (laughs) literally there was no house. So they
0: scooped the house.
1: Yeah. So they, they scooped him from a winning franchise. The Minnesota twins won the world series in 1991. And again, you want to steal from the best. I, I, as you know, someone who has a teaching certificate and was an educator uh, for many years, you know, we we preach, steal from the best. And that's one of the strategies you definitely need to use. So Bob Gephardt, taken from Minnesota, uh, then with the first opportunity when his tenure was done, Dan O'Dowd, uh, Monfort went outside the organization, went with a guy who had had some success, I think in in Texas and in Cleveland. Uh, And then his second opportunity to go in-house he did actually go in-house with uh, Jeff Breidich, as you said, who had so much experience in the organization, kind of knew the, the ins and outs of, of what Dick Monfort is looking for in an organization and, and kind of structuring the franchise. So, you know, there are two guys in-house, I think, that you know would uh, make for, for good fits, the, the first of which is a gentleman by the name of Zach Wilson. In fact, they're both named Zach. So I was going to say a couple uh, of Zachs. So you can sound very smart and say, Zach is going to be our next GM. It's going to be Zach. Yeah. Yeah. He only recently got promoted to uh, the assistant GM um, last year, but, you know, he's been with the organization for a long time, you know, started out as a scout, and slowly kind of worked his way up um, to the top of the list. He's a guy that, you know, Drew and I, we, we love seeing him at, at Coors Field and kind of pulling his ear and, and saying, hey, what's to do with this guy? And, you know, I can remember talking to him two years ago about Alan Trejo, you know, before he even got his invite to, uh, to spring training and kind of really started turning heads. It was like, this guy's, you know, pretty underrated. Right. And, you know, just went on and on about his development and, uh, the kind of player that Trejo is. So Wilson, you know, just does an amazing job on that player development side and the the relationship and connection he has with the players is, is really top notch. And, And I think he's one of those two guys, I think Breidich would be, uh, you know, pretty wise to go to in-house doesn't have as much experience as our next candidate, but is a, you know, just a great all around guy. And I think he'd be a good fit.
0: Yeah. I think he's also a, a much better fit for the part of the job that is often overlooked right up until the moment your star third baseman comes out and says there's a bunch of disrespect going on over there. And that's the, the glad handing, the ceremonial parts of the job, the, the ability to talk to the media, the smile and make everybody happy, even though that maybe shouldn't be important and it certainly shouldn't be your top priority. Um, I, I think Zach Wilson is one of the <laughs> can't just say Zach, um, it, it would be really good at that part of the job, as, as you mentioned, like both with the players communicating, hey, here's why we're doing what we're doing. We're, there's an analytic thing you don't like. Charlie, you're not comfortable with being a DH. Uh, Instead of just sitting down and saying, here's the numbers, you're at DH now. And I'm not necessarily saying that's how anybody else might operate. I'm just saying I think Zach Wilson would be very good at having those conversations with the players, media, other general managers, stuff like that.
1: Very personable. Yeah, I mean, he, he came on our draft show earlier this year in June for crying out loud, you know, and we, we've just seen him, you know, numerous times. And he just has a really good way with people. And, and like you said, kind of being the, the face of the organization. And sometimes, you know, that's, that's, that can be a challenging job and uh, some do it better than others, but I think Zach Wilson would, would do it very well uh, as far as being that, that, that public representation of the Colorado Rockies, especially when it comes to all the different transactions that go down over the course
0: of the season. Yeah. And then the other Zach, uh, who has been both a right hand man to Jeff Breitich and before that, Dan O'Dowd over the years. Zach Rosenthal uh, has been in the organization for quite some time, about 15 years. He's been an assistant general manager uh, for, uh, what was it, since 2015? Oh, yeah, it's right in front of me. I could just read the thing that we've got. <laughs> the graphic that kale put on the screen I could do that thank you super producer kale um and uh, you know he he is an analytically inclined mind um he, he's been the, one of the guys who's been uh big on on dealing with the analytics on the course field issue at hand he, he's one of the guys I would feel most comfortable with I, I talk a lot about you know hey, I understand the need to want to move on from Jeff Breidich, but I can balk at the idea of just bring in someone fresh and new who's never thought about Coors Field. And I'm like, Oh man, some people have been thinking about Coors Field for most of their day for 10 years and are only now starting to maybe figure it out. And Zach Rosenthal is almost exactly who I'm talking about when I make that statement. Somebody who's really put a lot of time and thought and effort into What's going on here? And um, you know, I, I don't know as much about him uh in terms of, of personality and those kinds of things. That that's something I would have to learn. But in terms of what I have heard, and even particularly from his previous boss, who is a big fan, um, he has the, the mindset and the approach that I think is, is the right way to, to lead the Rockies. Can he be a leader that brings other people along with him would be, and, and again, I don't know the answer to that question, but that would be something to, to learn.
1: Yeah. He's, he's a really modest guy. Cause he, he came and spoke to a uh, Rocky mountain saber organization. I recommend anybody go out there and join up, sign up to become a member of the society for American baseball research. Uh, a lot of real great, um, you know, free newspapers and uh, and books. They there's we we could we write books every year, like almost like once a month. What was I going to say? We
0: you say that. What was that word? A, a book. Book. Books. Book. Yes. Books. It's not the internet, but on paper, right?
1: Well, most of them usually are digital.
0: It's 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 actually free if
1: it's digital. You do have to pay for it if you want the hard copy. But you know, he went and and he spoke with our our hardcore group of of baseball fans, and I know some of our. Our, yeah, our, our listeners and subscribers, um, you know, are, are also the Sabre members here in, in Denver. And, you know, Rosenthal took an hour and a half yeah. talking about just everything, you know, going from, hey, those cards that guys are pulling out of their pockets, you know, about positioning, what can you tell us about that? And, you know, just goes on in length. And, and he's just a very knowledgeable guy. And I think for, again, everything that you know Dick Momford I think is trying to do in having that good balance between you know the player development side and analytics and just the straight up financial side that is such a huge part of it again much more so for a mid market to small market team and I think Rosenthal has that background he's in on there on the arbitration cases and things of that nature so I think you know he just has um, more of a pedigree I think in that world but again you you can get him from you know Um, just, just any, any role you, you, you can't be born a GM. Let me phrase it that way. GMs are not born. Okay. GMs are made. Made. You need to have a little bit of sampling everywhere. So besides, you know, having a, a law degree from, from, you know, Boston university, you know, Zach Rosenthal had to start out as an intern and working with Oakland and in the ticket office, and just so that you learn all the small little nuances that go into it so that when you know, when you trade Nolan Arenado, or if you trade Nolan Arenado, you're not just going, oh man, great. We got this money off the books. Look at these prospects we bought. Great. Now let's go forward with this plan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Pump the brakes because now a half a million less people just came through the turnstiles in the next season than the year before. And actually now look at your Jersey sales and they've kind of dipped in a real major way because you don't have that star power that you once did. And so now all that money you were, you were dreaming about spending in the next couple of seasons. You don't actually have that. So again, you have to have a wide array of knowledge to be a really successful GM. And I think Zach Wilson, Zach Rosenthal, they would, they would do well to replace Jeff Breidich if, and when that time comes.
0: Mm -hmm. If not for the nightmare of having lived through that handful of seasons when Dan O'Dowd and Bill Guyvette were like co-GMs and that just did not work out. uh, I would almost think that like you could promote Wilson and Rosenthal to some sort of co-GM tandem that sort of handles all of those, you know, elements of it. But it's like, no, that can't work to be somebody. There has to be somebody who makes the decision at the end of the day. Um, too many times that's been dick monfort over the years it needs to be the the gm and the only person who can solve that problem is is dick monfort um but more often than not it, it is still the gm so you've got a you know you you've, you've got to decide on on one and i think either one of those guys could do a fantastic job um and i do think that that would be the most likely scenario and either of the other would probably stick around and Work underneath them. What? What if they? You said this earlier. What a ridiculous thing! But what if they did promote Jeff Breidich to team president, made yeah. Zach Rosenthal GM, left Wilson to keep running, you know, the development and and, and do all of that stuff and, and kind of his thing. Like, how how gigantic of a sigh, groan would there be from Colorado Rockies fans?
1: Yeah. Careful what you wish for. You did get a new GM, fans. You did
0: you get a that team, new GM. You got a team, uh, a team president. Two oh, birds, way, one stone. Since <laughs> Emphasis yeah.
1: on kill when you say kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> Emphasis <laughs> is on kill more yeah. than that. Oh, there's only one stone. Oh, that's not cool. a, that's really good.
0: Has not been a good situation. And I
1: think you need you need that team team president like you said when they, when it was O'Dowd and Bill Guyvet doing their things as like co GMs. Like you just can't reinvent the wheel. You just can't. You can't when it comes to front offices. You need a team president and you need you know, a general manager to do the baseball things, you know, and that's just the way it goes. So.
0: Yeah. So I think actually the best, most likely scenario though, again, I don't think it's going to happen would be actually to bring in a team president from outside the organization. And maybe it could be some of these guys that we're going to talk about here though, might be a bit of a, a leap for them. We're talking about the most wanted GM candidates out there again, running down the list, we got JJ Piccolo uh, from Kansas City, he's been an assistant GM and a director of player personnel. Out there, we got Josh Bynes in LA. Uh, I think that's actually a really interesting one that I, I want to talk about. Um, uh, senior VP of baseball operations, Billy Owens in Oakland. Actually, each one of these is a really fascinating case study and where in, in how the Colorado Rockies could shift the way they build. Uh, assistant GM and Director of Player Personnel in Oakland. Uh, Jason McLeod from the Cubs, a Senior VP of Player Development out there. And Matt Arnold from Milwaukee, Vice President and Assistant GM. And, you know, Patrick, it, we've talked a lot about, and we've had these debates. And you know, when Manny came on here and uh, I had the debate with him about, should the Rockies build like Tampa and Oakland? Or should they build in some other kind of way? And in these five candidates, that question lies before you. If if I owned the Rockies or you owned the Rockies and we could take the Dick Monfort part of it out of the, the equation and you're looking at these guys, you have someone with that Oakland pedigree, literally someone straight out of Oakland, uh, Matt Arnold with Milwaukee, but, was with Tampa uh, during the Andrew Friedman years. It was a big part of all of that. So there's your Oakland and Tampa options, right? Matt Arnold and uh, uh, Owens, uh, Owens out in Oakland. Those are your, if you want to go, you want to be a wheeling and dealing team, you think the Rockies need to make a lot of moves. You you think they, they need to be creative. No big dollar players. And we've seen big dollar players have cost the Rockies a lot over the years. Hasn't worked out. Uh, to have the superstar on the big contract, haven't been able to build around him. Wheel and Dealmore; those are the two guys. What do you think of those two guys? And, and do you have a preference between the two of them?
1: Well, you know, Billy Owens does have a lot more experience, um, just in, in in the front offices, and you know, was actually a candidate um, to take over as GM with uh, the Giants when Farhan Zaidi. Um, was appointed to, you know, team president of baseball operations. So he's he's a guy who's, who's been around there, has a little bit more experience, whereas, you know, Matt Arnold has got about a decade less, you know, in the majors. But, uh, you know, I like the fact, of course, that that Matt Arnold has jumped around. He's Dodgers, Rangers, Reds, and has that broad background. I think that that is, you know, super important. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would imagine Billy Owens would really try to recreate everything that, that took place in in uh, in Oakland, and then everything that Billy Bean was has been able to do there. Again, you think about like, wait, Billy Bean's not still the GM. It's like he's he's way up there. He, yeah. He's he's much higher on that that chain. He's still you know involved in some of those decisions. But um, you know, I, I would I would tend to actually go towards maybe the younger guy, to be honest with yeah. with a guy like like Matt Arnold, um, to really try to implement some of his. The things he's been able to to do with David Stearns in Milwaukee. And, you know, again, you steal from the best. And these are our five of the best teams consistently year in and year out. Maybe not Kansas City so much. Um, but Piccolo was was a guy that was instrumental in drafting and developing all those guys from those 2014, 2015 World Series teams finally broke through in 2015. So you know he's been there from that, so there's there's a little maybe shine off of, of him in a sense. But I think you know you go the route with if, with any of those guys, you know they're gonna do a really fantastic job and, and usher in you know a new era of of doing business. And and Josh Burns is the one guy on that list, you know that has been a GM before. Um, so you know right. I, I I said it earlier at some point that you know you really only get one crack at it, you know being a, a general manager unless you do it really really well. Um, So I don't know if if Burns is going to get that opportunity again um, as you know, he, he failed in in San Diego, in Arizona, but there's one other name on that list that, that that might be the most intriguing one of them all.
0: Yeah. And I want to say something real quick about JJ Piccolo, because I I, I think it actually, they exist on, on a similar spectrum and it will build to the final guy there because as you said, Now, if you you wanted to not go into a dramatically different direction for the Colorado Rockies, as I've often argued, the philosophy hasn't been wrong. It's been the execution and implementation of the philosophy. And you know who got it right? Well, the Kansas City Royals, a largely homegrown team who didn't spend a whole lot of money, you know, built through their own development. And J.J. Piccolo was a huge part of developing some – Really fantastic players, one of which was acquired by uh, the other guy, uh, by Matt Arnold, Lorenzo Cain, to go out there and be a big deal in Milwaukee. And so while you could argue like, hey, they kind of let that team fall apart before they should have, or maybe they could have gotten more. Like you said, some of the shines come off of there. I, I, If you're of the mind that I am, which is that the Rockies do still have to do an inordinate amount of in-house building, particularly in the pitching department. And look at what they were able to churn out during their glory days there, particularly in the bullpen with Wade Davis and Greg Holland. And who's the third one during the big days? Um, they had a couple others that came up. Um, oh, man, there was a Latin fireballer. Joachim Soria. Yep, he could huck it. That's the bar. Yeah, Escobar, yeah. They had so many great relievers come through there, um, and uh, but did they develop? Well, oh, no, that was, was probably a little bit earlier. Zach Cranky, is
1: that Cranky was uh, came up through the Royal system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, Danny Ventura, that was the other guy that's I was thinking who of, for who uh, passed away early, unfortunately. That's so sad. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons why I'm I, you know, we put it. we put Piccolo on the list is because right that that ability to develop from within, and he was able to do that. You know, incredibly well once once Dayton Moore moved over from Atlanta. Um, and really, you know, there there's there's a couple of free agents that are out there as far as GMs. You think, hey, would you like the you know, former Giants GM and team president Brian Sabian? Maybe. Uh, what about Trader Dave, Dave Dombrowski? He's still out there now he's going to drive you crazy, but he's going to get you to the playoffs and maybe yeah. even win you that first world series. It's
0: literally going to drive me crazy. <laughs> he's
1: probably the least likely of those options. If you talk yeah. about loyalty, Dave Dombrowski, I mean, if his son works in the front office, if, if look, if someone else is interested, he's probably going to trade his own his I'm own family. Uh, and then the most yeah. interesting what was that.
0: I said, get what you can while well, he's got top value. You got it.
1: And the most interesting guy, it, it ties in with, with Jason McLeod of the Cubs is, possibly after next season, Theo Epstein. No. Now, do you, do you, do you throw the, do you back up the Brinks truck to have Theo Epstein in here? You know, would he touch the Rockies? I actually was on the phone yesterday with uh, someone who knows an awful lot uh, about the inside uh, comings and goings about the Rockies organization and seemed to think that there could be uh, a link between Theo Epstein and the Rockies after next season. Didn't think it totally crazy. I thought, maybe it's only half crazy. He thought of it less than half crazy. So that was interesting, but you'd certainly have to make him team president um, because he's doing more things than just winning baseball games. He's buying land around Wrigley field, everything he was able to do with developing Fenway park. I think, you know, Montfort, give him all the credit in the world. He's done an amazing job keeping Coors field relevant up to date, all the different renovations, everything with McGregor square. So there's a lot of things that, that Monfort has done already without Theo Epstein. So on that side, maybe you don't need him. Maybe at a much cheaper price and maybe less, less, less butting of heads, you go with the the third leg of, of the triumvirate Jason McLeod, because the three guys that have been there through all of those destinations with Theo is GM Jed Hoyer right now of the Cubs, who would be a great candidate as well for uh, Colorado, but they're, Um, assistant GM, Jason McLeod, who's been right there. It's been those three guys that said, man, we've got to stick together at all costs. We got to go from point A to point B and just, you know, break down the next curse, whatever it is so that we can go and and win another championship. And they've stuck together. They break apart. You want any three of those guys part of your organization because they did it in Boston. They did in Chicago and they will do it again.
0: Totally. And, and, I uh, you know, I I don't know that there's much more for me to add on top of that. I think McLeod would be the guy if I could get him. Um, and and I think that, you know, again, the Cubs, they did a lot of in-house building as well. They weren't mercenaries. They spent some money. They went out and got some – I think you'd almost have to flip the model, grow the pitching in-house, and go get the hitters. They did it the other way around. Fine. I've mentioned that once or twice before that that's a, a solid model and I forget every once in a while because I like to romanticize the Royals because it's it's a lot more interesting but the Cubs model really should be the Rockies model, not the A's not the Rays, not the Yankees they can't, I, uh, in my mind, they can't do that. Can they do what the Cubs have done? Tank? Uh, maybe a little bit less than the... Tank I, for a few they, years? They could go that route. I don't think you necessarily have to do that part of it. I think the way that they've Built the team is what you can model. Whether you want to tank or not, again, that's a debate we can have another time. But the building of the team I absolutely think is a model that the Colorado Rockies can and should follow. And so, yeah, there you have it. We ran through them all, the good ones, the bad ones, the ones who are out there looking for a job. Let us know who your favorites are, who you would really like to see the Rockies go out there and Get. If there's anybody that we missed, if you've got a favorite, let us know. Again, you can hit us up on social media at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Kreisman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You can email us at Drew or Patrick at the DNVR.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the DNVR.com so you can get all of that written content, plus discounts on hats, shirts, masks. You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar, and you get to be a part of this continually growing and super awesome community that we are all just super stoked to be a part of. We appreciate you joining us for this long conversation. Anybody who wants to know, who should the Rockies get at their GM? You want to talk about getting rid of the GM? Send them this podcast. Let them know this is the conversation. We ran through it all. Let us know what you think. Continue to be absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Kreisman in here. And until next time, we'll see you at the ballpark.